Hello, and welcome to the C-Store Decisions Live podcast. I'm John Lovestock, Editor-in-Chief of Convenience Store Decisions Magazine and the Executive Director of the National Advisory Group. Thank you for joining us. Please sit back and enjoy as we talk all things convenience retailing. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Convenience Store Decisions Live. I'm John Lovestock, Editor of Convenience Store Decisions, and I'm proud today to be joined by Joe Morelli, the CEO of Tobacco Superstores. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. So before we begin, uh, we do have a sponsor for today's podcast. So today's podcast is brought to you by Swisher. More and more adult tobacco consumers are looking for products that deliver nicotine on demand that fit their active lifestyle. Rogue is a leader in this emerging category and offers a full lineup that includes slow-release lozenges, quick-dissolve tablets, long-lasting gums, and in-demand pouches. Rogue offers each of these in a variety of bold, long-lasting flavors and strengths to deliver high-quality nicotine satisfaction every time. Stock Rogue today and get your share of the sales and profits in the rapidly growing modern oral nicotine category. So uh, hopefully Swisher is a good partner of yours, Joe. Absolutely. Good, good. So, uh, you know, we just had a presidential election. These are certainly interesting times in our country. Why don't, why don't we begin by you telling us a little bit about uh, your company and uh, how important tobacco is to what you're doing? Okay, great. Um, yeah, so Tobacco Superstore, we're, we got about 80 uh, plus stores in Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, West Tennessee, and one in Missouri and one in Kentucky. Um, we obviously, hence the name Tobacco Superstore, uh, carry a variety of tobacco products and try to at the best uh, available prices that uh, we can. Um, you know, we're um, about 50 or so stores have, have drive-throughs. Um, a lot of it's your typical convenience store items too with snacks and uh, beer in some locations and lottery and uh, things of that nature. Um, you know, we, we try to uh, provide superior customer service to distinguish ourselves. And in addition, um, you know, we really pride ourselves on the variety and, and the prices as, as well. See, the drive through is a wonderful component. Uh, was that a good competitive advantage for you or is it a competitive advantage for you in, you know, in these uh, pandemic times? You know, so in the during the pandemic, I I, I believe it, it it it's definitely not a disadvantage. I I, I think uh, for some of them, it it definitely helps. Um, the downside to drive through is, you know, it, it kind of can you know hurt the basket, if you will. Uh, customers don't don't see something new. Your impulse items, uh, th- things of that nature, can. Uh, be detrimental um, when you have a drive through, but in areas that have extreme weather, whether it be hot or cold or mm-hmm. some places it can fluctuate with both. And, um, you know, with, with that and during the pandemic, um, I, I would say that the drive through has, has been helpful. Tobacco, as we all know, you know, routinely comes under fire and, you know, a new administration, I guess that coming in, uh, probably a new administration, I guess we don't know for sure at this point, but uh, you know, that always uh, runs the risk of having a new set of laws, but just in general, uh, how would you 
uh, put the uh, state of tobacco today? Well, so that, you know, it, well, it, it, it continues to be ever evolving. In fact, it, it's kind of the way I, I almost just have to use the word nicotine now. It, it, tobacco and nicotine almost go hand in hand since there are so many more alternatives out there, like such as this great, um, uh, so excuse me, such, such as Swisher's great new line of Rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that these alternative products are really going to help some people, whether they cut down on stuff that, you know, they're, they're for medical reasons or wh- whatever the reasons may be that they need to cut, cut down on or, or, or stop or for whatever reason they may choose to do that. I, I, I think that these, um, it's not just the electronic cigarettes, but it's these nicotine pouches and gum and lozenges. Um, I, I think that those are going to be great uh, products that are going to continue to mature. They're obviously not anywhere near, um, you know, the, the the volume of your traditional tobacco products, but they're so new and they're growing, and who knows what it'll look like uh five years from now um you know as far as the with the new administration i i don't think we really know what to expect yet um but we'll be prepared to um, do whatever we need to do and comply and adjust how however we need to adjust um hopefully things will work out well for all because there's obviously um a lot at a lot at stake and a lot going on right now in in this country Mm -hmm. do you uh watch since you're a multi-state operator do you see some of these regulations that are coming down in states like massachusetts and california where they're looking to ban men where they are banning menthol and they're banning flavors uh does that concern you is that something you watch with a close eye it is definitely something that I watch. It's definitely something that people um, in the industry talk about it. I, uh, I I strongly disagree with these flavor bans for a variety of reasons. I, I believe that adult consumers should have the right, um, you know, the, the pick what flavor they want. Um, mm-hmm. I look at the alcohol industry, for example, and the marketing that they're able to do, the actual marketing that they're able to do with flavors and the damage that that can cause, and that can cause immediate damage. I mean, someone likes too much of a fruit punch, whatever, and then they get into a car. You know, so I I, I really don't agree with that. I believe adult, especially when we're talking about menthol cigarettes and long cut winter green moist snuff. I mean, these items have been around forever. And I also don't think that it's a very wise financial decision on any city or state that does this. In fact, I, I, I definitely don't understand where they're coming from, from that because now you're talking about, um, you know, essentially incentivizing certain people to break the law, rather they're, bringing products from a different state um and now they're losing the excise tax revenue and then if they don't want to show it um on their sales then now they're losing the sales tax revenue uh it opens up um you know all kinds of you know people trying to make 
something in their garage, as an example. Um, you know, j just the, the the illicit market, the um, the, the smuggling. Um, it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. For all I believe, we we've had strong education on tobacco products. Um, we have warning labels, and I. You know, I, I just feel like there's so much else going on in this world right now that it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to do some of the extreme things, um, such as like what's going on, like you said, in California. And now uh, I like how you referenced uh, tobacco, the tax revenue at these states. We're already hearing uh, grumblings of people uh, states who raise taxes trying to figure out why tobacco tax revenue is down. It seems that they're, they're, they're incapable of uh, understanding that if you raise tax, especially along bordering states, that customers will just go to a different state or that they seem to be really uh, creating a, a black market for tobacco items. I, I, that has to be another concern of the entire tobacco industry. Oh, absolutely. Um, when these taxes get raised that, uh, well, so I don't, I, I might be sitting in one of the best locations um, in the United States right now to actually attest to that. Cause I, I'm, I happen to be in Marion, Arkansas right now, which is right over um, the bridge to Memphis, Tennessee. And, you know, Tennessee has a 6.6% um, OTP tax and, Arkansas has a 68% OTP tax. Yeah, I, you hear it, it's just, it's easy for some to just smuggle things over. And you hear about people doing that. And, you know, you have uh, pre-priced cigars that work for the high-tax states and some that work for the low-tax states. And when you see them in the high-tax states, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, it, 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 when you raise the tax revenue or when you raise the tax rates like that, and it's especially important to pay attention to, to your borders. I mean, you know, I, I'd imagine a state like Florida, for example, they could probably get away with, you know, increasing their taxes at a reasonable amount. But, you know, when you got, you know, four or five states bordering you that are much, much lower than you, that, that doesn't, the, the end result of that doesn't end up uh, working out well for a lot of these states. Do you go after these customers? I mean, is, does your marketing plan change? What do you do in these scenarios? Well, I obviously don't don't, don't smuggle product over illegally. <laughs> we, 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 we don't do that. Um, you know, I think you got to be wise about um, obviously getting too close to a border when you have something like that or being on the the right side of the border. I, we've, we've never set up a store to, you know, essentially um, draw customers in um, uh, from a higher tax state. A, a lot of states do, they're very hard to enforce, but a lot of states, you know, will have laws that say, well, if you go to this state and you buy cigarettes as an example you can only buy x amount of cartons and stuff so we don't we don't do that just to try to stay within the law i know it goes on i know that it's hard to enforce but well just marketing to them their customers i'm sure they you know if you live along the border you probably cross 
into different counties every day. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I won't I won't name the particular retailer, but in Missouri, for example, um, they're obviously very low, always have been. Mm-hmm. And they will market. There's a particular place at one time that um, was marketing their low priced cigarettes all the way down on the radio in Arkansas. Uh, the Memphis area and then the Northern Mississippi area. So I, <laughs> that one, uh, that one kind of, I did make a few phone calls about that one. Cause I was, I was thinking, you know, they're advertising uh, to these States that, are, and they're going to take these States excise tax revenue, but they're also not letting these potential customers know that they're breaking a wall. So I, I um that, that definitely goes on i get it are, are the states that we're in I, I i believe that you know they they do try to do the best that they can um with those situations it's just um it's just a difficult thing to enforce overall especially if you look at nax data uh combustible cigarettes are not uh you know they're not dropping you know it's still a very strong and viable category you know as are cigars and uh and e uh how uh how popular is combustible these days you know there's obviously been um a steady decline for the past several years due to price increases and healthier alternatives um i you know it's i hear about some places where you know um cigarettes aren't dropping as much as they uh overall as much as they historically have been but you know the reality of it is is people have been at home more um people haven't been in restaurants as much people haven't been at work as much and so i think there's more opportunity people have more opportunity to you know whether it be um smoking a cigarette or uh vaping or having or using more snuff or whatever it may be, there's just been more, I guess, time and opportunity uh, to do so. And like alcohol use, uh, there's been a variety of reports that show alcohol use has been up during the pandemic. So um, I I might be, just for the record, I might be single-handedly responsible for that. I'm not. not (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Yeah. Uh, So, in terms of, uh, but yeah, and you did a good job in mentioning all the uh, different uh, that it's more of a nicotine category these days. Uh, if you had to kind of evaluate or uh, look at some of the the new subsegments of tobacco uh, being introduced or growing, you know, what uh, what are you bullish on? What what do you see as as some of the more popular offerings? By wow, okay, I, brand. You know, I, so that's a really good question. I could probably go. I'll, I'll, I'll try not to bore you too much with that answer um i'm actually i'm actually bullish on the pmta believe it or not i, I know a lot of people aren't but uh, and and obviously you know we'd like a list and we'd like to know to know much more but and i'm not one that's you know too big into too much government intervention but with that particular category i do think it needs at least some regulation um just because 
it, it, it'll, it'll provide more, I believe, consumer confidence. Um, that'll really help uh, weed some things out. I'm, I'm sure that there are some that had some unfortunate things happen um, to their business or whatever because of that. And I, 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 I'm trying to be sensitive towards that. And I, I, I feel for those people. Uh, but I think the long-term um, end result on that, um, having adequate products and products that um, everyone feels comfortable with and understand uh, understanding everything about them, who makes them, how they're made, what's in it, why, why is it, why, why do we believe this is better for you than certain? I think things like that are going to really um, help uh, for and definitely provide more education amongst all age groups about about the products. So I think uh, on that particular alternative category, um, and I think we're taking steps. Obviously, there's a long way to go, but I think that we're we're taking some appropriate steps. Uh, the, the nicotine pouches, I I, I believe, are outstanding. Um, they they can they can be discreet. Um, you know, I think one of the things that really hurt the vape industry was. I think people kind of abused the uh, ability to do it in public, um, you know, just because the sign said no smoking. Yeah, didn't say no vaping, but it probably wasn't a good idea to go into the grocery store or uh, the high school track meet or something like that and just, you know, blow vape in front of people's faces. That, that That's not going to attract the right attention so um but i but with this there's not really you know that, that that's obviously not um a concern and i can see you know products like rogue like swisher's rogue and um some other ones out there that with, with the pouches and possibly the gum and the lozenges um i i, I think that the more we keep developing these um, alternatives and educate uh, customers and it, it's really gonna I, I think help the category and help the people and you know I look I'm a free market guy I believe adults should make their own decisions and and now that they're gonna have decisions of okay this is what I've been taught on tobacco and these are my nicotine alternatives and I, I think that that's a great thing um, for, from the manufacturers down to the wholesalers to the retailers to the consumers. I, I believe that that can uh, be a win for everyone. So one of the things that uh, you and I talked about uh, during our pre-call um, a few weeks back was uh, some of the responsible selling. Now, obviously, there is no one more uh, invested in selling tobacco responsibly than chains like yours and the convenience store industry put their employees through tremendous amounts of training. Um, I, I forgot to ask if you're actually doing the We Card program, but I'm sure you have signage throughout the store. Absolutely. So that doesn't stop the onslaught of states uh, and local health inspectors from trying to trip up and really, you know, going after tobacco retailers. And the industry always does a good job. It really does in keeping the hands, uh, cigarette, tobacco out of, and nicotine out of the hands of minors. Uh, they believe in it. Uh, there has never been, to my knowledge, um, rules or regulations in place for the kids who 
are in possession of tobacco. So, you know, if you wouldn't mind just a, a few words on, you know, the great lengths that you go through to keep to sell tobacco to legal age adults responsibly. And uh, how come some, you know, there is no equal punishment for uh, minors in possession of tobacco. I mean, they're, they're getting it illegally. How come no one's penalizing them? To answer the first part, uh, yes, we go to great lengths. Um, we have employees every day um, sign something that um, shows the, the legal age um, for that particular day. Um, well, the the birth date, the legal birth date, and and, and so forth. If for that day, um, we have um, we scan IDs. Um, we uh, we have an, a policy where if you sell to a minor, it's an automatic termination. Um, it, it, we just have to stay very strict about that. We take that very seriously um, it, it, because it. it it, that's just not uh, obviously what anybody, any, no responsible person that I know has ever gotten in this business to try to make a profit on selling age restricted items to people underage. Um, if you have, nah, you're not going to last very long. Mm-hmm. And then there's obviously the moral side of it too. It's, you just, you just don't do that. Um, you know, as far as, you know, that, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't know. If, I don't really have the answer to that. I, I, I think, you know, and I don't know if there ever will be. We're in a world now where decriminalizing and legalizing marijuana is taking place. So I, I would find it really interesting if they did that. Um, what I, I, I do think that that would likely um, improve um, you know, some of these numbers and some of these things that we, uh, read about as far as, uh, youth, um, you know, but the one thing that I, I don't think we'll ever be able to get around is, uh, we've all been under 21 before. And a lot of us tried alcohol before we were 21 and at, it, people end up finding ways but now you can limit those ways by you know doing things like we discussed but you know at the retail level and education and and things of that nature um but to fully eliminate um certain things that's just not realistic uh and i that's not just for our category that's just for pretty much you know anything that that's out there um but yeah, it, it, you know, that would be interesting if that were to take place. I, I I think with it being a legal product in general, you know, it may, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, but I, I don't know what that, um, what, what could actually be done. I mean, obviously, you know, with alcohol, and states have laws against that. You'd think they could develop laws uh, with tobacco and nicotine to, reduce some of the usage but or at least be a penalty if a, if a kid is caught speeding or drag racing i use this analogy and the police pull them over they'll get a ticket there'll be an expensive ticket and it's a deterrence they won't do it again uh, but you don't hear lawmakers saying you know what these kids are drag racing we have to outlaw ford right the problem clearly is ford you know it, yeah you, you know and i, I i agree with that i i think that there should be at least some kind of 
fine or, or something like that. I, or maybe they go, well, like you said about, well, drag racing, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, you end up going to defensive driving. Maybe there could be an education, uh, seminar or something that they could go to along those lines. I, I think that there are a lot of possibilities or, or a lot of options, um, out there that, you know, that, that, that could be explored because when there was this whole outrage about, jewel and youth access and things of that nature it one thing that kind of bothered me about that was it, it almost seemed like things were directed at you know some some retailers like us where we're not marketing these products to the to the kids i mean these pro like electronic cigarettes in general they were developed as a healthier alternative to combustible cigarettes they weren't i <laughs> my knowledge i don't know anyone that started off in that category to try to appeal to the youth that 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 just was not the case but you know if an adult comes in and buys something and goes home and gives it to a kid i i, I disagree with that but that's out of our control and like you were saying it, when it gets to that point and if the kid gets caught with it the kid needs to be punished. Like it, it seemed like when all of that was going on, we kind of lost, in my opinion, we may have lost some sight on some things like, well, where are the parents at? Why aren't the parents educating me? Why aren't the parents taking this away? Why, why are the schools getting mad at these people? Why don't the schools suspend the kids? Why don't they, you know, I mean, it, it just seemed like some basics that made sense to me were, not as somewhat maybe ignored is a strong word, but uh, maybe they were. I don't know. Sure. And not doing enough. I mean, especially schools who have an opportunity to correct the problem as it arises. If you see a minor smoking, you can address the problem right there and uh, and find out where they got it. Right. We're doing tracing on the coronavirus. They're doing contact tracing. They can trace back days. They can figure out you know, almost the time when one person had it and passed it to another, you should be able to find out where a teenager got a pack of cigarettes from. It shouldn't be that hard. Who bought yeah, it? I, I agree. Um, but uh, that's the kind of the, the the dirty side of the business and uh, the ongoing fight, which uh, in my in some of the work I do with tobacco companies, we talk about the importance of lobbying lawmakers and getting them to understand that these things are out of the retailer control, but yet they seem to bear the brunt of, of it, even though it's you know, really out of their control, they sell responsibly, but whenever there is an incident, they always seem to blame the retailer and the tobacco companies and just never. That, yes, that's true. And, you know, I think there was, especially in the past few years, I, I think that there were some confusion on what uh, some of these products that were popular to, the youth because I can assure you that the major tobacco companies take youth usage very seriously. That is not, um, they would not have been, they wouldn't have made it to where, um, they are if they, if they did not. Um, so, uh, and, and that trickles down. I mean, that trickles down all the way down to the retail. I mean, you know, they can take incentive money away from, from retailers if they do things like that. So it, it, I believe that, you know, the, the industry 
is always trying to adjust. I mean, you, you just from product selection, I mean, product, uh, the industry is always d- doing as much as we possibly can, but, um, you know, it, controlling what a kid um, can get on, on their own or from an, from an adult is, uh, you know, and you can't, you can't punish the responsible adult consumers, um, but it, I, I believe it needs to be more enforced, like you said, at, when someone's caught with something like that. I mean, and, you know, instead of raising taxes to punish the people that are, um, you know, you, you, people say you raise taxes, re- reduce usage, re- reduce the youth access. Well, you know, maybe you would re- reduce the youth usage if, they got fined. They got some kind of punishment when they got caught with this. And there's also a, a solution. There's another solution right there uh, as far as the taxes go. I mean, that, that can help make up for some of that shortfall. We'll see. And also, too, uh, that kind of, this kind of approach would also highlight the hard work that tobacco uh, manufacturers and retailers are doing and all the training they're doing and all the steps that they're taking to keep tobacco out of the hands of minors. I wish that were more of the emphasis as opposed to, uh, you know, one slip up out of hundreds of thousands of, you know, good, honest uh, sales transactions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I don't have the number in front of me, but, you know, I've heard from every authority that uh, whether it be a state or, um, it, you know, it, anybody who essentially um, sends in an underage person to see if they can buy, our, our rate on that is phenomenal. And it's because we, we're, we're constantly reminding people, we make them sign that sheet every day. We, ex- we explain the importance of, um, of why it is that we're doing this. Um, you know, I... I and it's not it's not just us. I know other retailers that are doing the the exact same measures or much similar measures. Um, and it, it's just it, it can be very frustrating because, you know, we have employees who live in these communities. They're good people, the ones that I know, at least. And it, it, it when you read some of these things and you hear. Um, you know, some of the stuff that goes on, it's like, you know, uh, my employee in this, our employees in these towns, they're good people. They're not selling this stuff to the kids. That, 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 that's not, you know, fair. That's not a right perception that they're uh, trying to put on. Um, so it, it, yeah, it can be a little irritating at times, but um, I think the more, you know, I think as we move forward with this PMTA and more training and the more and what manufacturers are going to do, I, I think hopefully we can uh, take some steps and try to um, provide some clarity on on the entire situation for, for people. All right. So, you know, just to uh, sum up, uh, we have been uh, speaking for a while, so I want to still get your long range uh, outlook on tobacco. Where do you, you know, if you can forecast a year, 18 months, two years ahead, uh, do you 
see a drop off in any one area? Do you see it more of a drop off in combustibles, more rise in pouches, or you know, you think it'll be status quo for the next couple of years? I think combustibles will will continue to decline. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, this year, obviously, I guess there are some differences um, with, with uh, obviously prior years, but you know, I, I believe combustibles are going to continue to to decline. I think that the electronic cigarettes, when this PMTA gets, there's uh, like I said, there's several steps, but I, I think that that's gonna maybe the category drops for a little bit while we go through that. I don't know, but when it get, but when it, but when it's done doing that, I think it's gonna. I think more and more people are gonna continue to switch to that. But you know, it's not just that though. Now, I mean, you. The, the nicotine pouches, the gum, I, I think those are are going to have some long-term success. I mean, and there are some states where um, the nicotine pouches are even taking over more snuff or approaching it or approaching uh, taking over more snuff. So, you know, I, I think th- those are, th- that that's going to be, um, you know, the, the healthy art. And, and that's what, you know, I believe that's what a lot of people want. I mean, I, we, we want to be able to provide a healthier alternative on, on all of these categories. And if the adult customer wants to use what they want to use and they do it responsibly and keep it out of the youth, hey, that's 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 their prerogative. Um, but, but at least now there are going to be options. You know, I mean, the other categories, I think premium cigars are going to be status quo. Uh, I think... Um, you know, cigarillos and um, things of that nature, I, I believe, will will probably um, be status quo there as well. But um, I think that the overall category will, um, as far as the nicotine category, I think is going to be a good thing for everyone because, uh, like I said, I, I think the more options, the more healthier alternatives, um then, um, you know, the, uh, I think we're at least going to be able to provide what the customer uh, wants with the customer, or maybe what the customer is interested. You give them some options. Um, so I, I think that uh, long-term, those are, those are definitely the, the things to watch. And uh, really last question for you, uh, because we keep hearing, we've heard about this second wave of this uh, coronavirus and uh, we seem to to be in the midst of that right now. Uh, how much do you think retail will change? Do you think it'll just everyone will just try to stay as normal as possible and keep going, or do you see any dramatic changes? Uh, you, know, upcoming? you know, I I, I hope that you know, it, the the more that I, I read about this and the more that I learn it, it it seems like you're more subject to get the virus in large gatherings for a long period of time. Um, I believe it, you know, I've heard the within now, uh, I keep hearing more about the within six feet for 15 minutes. Um, You know, so when I think about that, you know, and my heart breaks for the restaurants and the people that, that, that have really, you know, suffered um, from that. Um, But I, I would think though, you know, in general, uh, the retail, um, you know, the, the, the convenience stores, cause we're, we're very similar to a convenience store. Um, you know, I, I think that our, 
our transaction time is so fast and people aren't in the store very long and we can make we have a neat we can easily maintain six feet uh of distance we can people can put up um glass plexiglass and things of that nature to do things i mean uh constantly cleaning the store constantly washing your hands um you know i i think that retailers have to be responsible um you know maybe they need to close an hour or two a few hours early depending on how late they stay open um you know maybe things like that can can also help but you know i I, i'm hopeful that we won't do anything too uh drastic because the economy can't i mean businesses just can't afford to do that and when businesses can't afford to do that then people can't afford to do what people want to do um and keeping everybody at home does not sound mentally healthy to me but uh you know i i i can see how you know some restrictions obviously make sense um but i hope that we're reasonable about it because we you know we still have the economy uh that is important and mental health and things of that nature that go along with the extremities that um some of the extreme rumors that we hear about excuse me mm-hmm. but uh you know i i would like to to think that the convenience stores and outlet like uh, outlets like ours and you know can you know still still keep operating and i would like to think that the restaurants can continue to figure out uh ways to make takeout work and their drive through work and just to keep people, you know, in business, keep people's spirits up, keep people's mind on doing something other than sitting at home. And um, so um, it'll obviously, you know, <laughs> here in November 12th, 2020, considering everything that's going on in this world and everything that's happened in this wild year, it's really hard to predict and i don't think any of us will be too surprised at anything at this point um but i i want to remain optimistic that things will end up working out for everyone and well, let's end on a good note like that and uh, certainly and uh a, a big uh i hope your customers express their gratitude for the work that you guys do every day and showing up and providing uh services for the community you know it's for all the uh, the negative talk, uh, convenience stores, when things get bad, whether it's a pandemic or a hurricane or a snowstorm, they're often the only only store in the community that still has the lights on. And that's a credit to the industry and your employees and the work you guys do. So I always want, like to end on that note and, and remind them. Very well said. And I would like to second that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm very proud of our employees and uh, you know a special thank you to the people working in the industry as well because i think we should all be very grateful and it it is nice that we've all kind of joined together and have done some positive things lately so thank you very much well thank you joe again i'd like to Wrap it up there and thank uh, our today's guest, Joe Morelli, the CEO of Tobacco Superstores. And I would like to thank our sponsor, Swisher. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. And I hope you will join us again 
on an upcoming Convenience Store Decisions Live podcast. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm John Lovestock, and this is the C-Store Decisions Live podcast. If you'd like to join us on a future podcast, please email me at jlovestock at wtwhmedia.com. Have a great day.